Today's message is called Making a Positive Change Permanent. Because oftentimes we start something, but then we don't stay with it. So how do you learn to be faithful and to stay with something? Daniel is a great example of that as well. So we're going to talk about him today. And so I'm going to dive right in. You guys ready? I'm fired up, man. Here we go. All right, let's do it. So here's the question I have for you. Do you want a river where it's dry in your life? Like, is there any area of your life where it's dry? Maybe a marriage, maybe a relationship, maybe a relationship with God. Maybe you feel dry emotionally. Maybe for you, it's your career, your finances. What if God could flow a river in the area where you are dry? Well, we know God can. Look at Isaiah 43. This is what he says. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. So God does want to do something new in those dry areas of your life. And here's how that starts. I'm going to give you five principles today. Here's the first one. New habits create new life. New habits create new life. If you want a newness to your marriage, do something new. If you want a newness in your career, do something new with your job. If you want a newness in your walk with God, do something new in your walk with God. So whatever it is that you feel, feel a dryness in, just try to do something new in those specific areas. But guys, I want to tell you that everything I talk about today, about you know, having better habits, it's all still going to require work. I think we try to get away from that. But I just want to encourage you, it's going to involve work because... All the results we want publicly will only happen if we pay the price privately. We have to be willing to pay a private price to get a public result. And so we have to be willing to do it. And so God will give you those results, but you have to first pay the price. I want to give you two things I said last week that I think are important to, to rehash, to, re, to remember. I'm going to say it next week again. I, want to be, I just want to really drill these in. Here's the first thing. It's a phrase from James Clear. He said this, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. It's really true. And so you're, you're not necessarily just going to reach a goal because one day I just decided I'm going to do this. You know, no, it's going to be a systematic getting there. Anyone who lost you know, 30 pounds or more. They didn't do that because I just got really serious and just made a goal. We've all made goals that we didn't reach, but they had a system to get there. In fact, I know I mentioned last week, if you see someone who's lost a lot of weight or suddenly gets in good shape, what do you say to them? You say, what are you doing? See, something innately built in us knows you're following a system to get the results you got. And so I think that, that we know that anyone who's got any achievable results, uh, you know, big time results in any area of their life, they're doing something to get those Results. And so systems matter. And here's the second phrase I said last week. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Now, there was a study in 2006 at Duke University. They found out that 40% of what we do on any given day is a habit. That means almost half of what you're doing on a daily basis, you're just on autopilot. Just what you do. The problem with autopilot is you can also autopilot yourself into the ground, right? You can autopilot your marriage into a divorce. You can autopilot your finances into bankruptcy. You can autopilot your health into cancer or diabetes. So autopilot is not enough. It's wonderful that, that, that we have this innate ability to just kick into doing something we always do. That's a good thing. But if it's going in the wrong direction, it can be a disaster. So wouldn't it be great if we could start some new habits that became autopilot? What if it became autopilot to praise God? became autopilot to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Yes. Wouldn't it be great if it became autopilot to just have those loving feelings for your spouse? If it was on autopilot that you and your kids just felt close and did things together all the time. Wouldn't that be awesome Amen. if that was your autopilot? And so what if you automatically became wealthy? Oh, that'd be pretty cool, right? 
Well, if you automatically became healthy. Again, all these things are very possible. You just have to start the right habits and stick with them long enough until they become autopilot. And so, so the first thing is new habits create new life. The second one is this. People trust people with good habits. You literally become more trustworthy when you change your habits. Look at Daniel chapter 6. Daniel was a young man who was taken from Israel. Uh, Babylon, another nation, came in and, and overran Israel. And they took, they took Daniel and a bunch of his friends. And they took like a lot of young people and they brought them into Babylon. The king said, bring all the best, the young and the brightest, young, young, best and brightest. Bring them into Babylon. We'll train them in our ways, our language, and our gods. So Daniel was trained in all this. He followed everything he was told to do except the whole God part. He was like, no, I'm going to still honor my God, but I will do what you say for me to do. And I will help. I will work for you and all that. But he was still going to honor God. Daniel's a great example because he's a guy who he entered a culture that had lots of gods. The Babylonians just worshipped anything and everything. And so, uh, but Daniel comes along and is like, no, there's only one true God. It's very similar to our culture today. You can worship anything in Hollywood as long as you don't say Jesus. You can be like, I worship my booth. They'd be like, that's so cool, man. <laughs> I worship Jesus. Oh, you're one of them. It's like, wow. You can worship anything but the true God. Isn't that funny how that works? But I will tell you this, Daniel stuck to his principles. And so he was so good at what he did. He had such good habits of excellence that he stood out. Then the king said, hey, I want to make this guy, like, I want to raise him up. Well, the problem was all the Babylonians who worked for the king were like, whoa, we're not going to have this guy from another country. He barely speaks broken Babylonian. And he's going to come in here and just tell us what to do. So they were furious about this. So look what happens. Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire kingdom. Uh, the entire empire, excuse me. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy. You may want to underline those three words. Faithful, all, faithful, responsible, and completely trustworthy. To be faithful means that you do it all the time. And so if you come to church, if you're faithful, you come every week, right? If you work out, you're faithful, you work out three to five times a, a week minimum. That's how someone that does it that's, that's faithful. I was talking to this guy one time. He was an older guy. He was in really good shape. And uh, I just happened to be in a conversation with two or three other people, and I heard him talking to someone else, and someone said, what day are you on? He was like, on oh, 200 and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, it's just the thing at my gym. I've been in the gym 200 and something days in a row. I was like, dang, that's impressive. That explains why you're in great shape. Maybe that was his habit. It wasn't what he did at the gym. It was did he go to the gym. Isn't that cool? I think sometimes we're looking for some silver bullet if I could choose one thing, but doing it once doesn't do it. It's doing it consistently. That's really the game changer. So he was faithful. Also, it says he was always responsible. What that means is that he took, uh, he took responsibility. So if something wasn't right in his life, he didn't blame anyone else but himself. Can I tell you something that will really help you in your life? You're not going to like it at first. It sounds really mean to say it. But if you'll really receive what I say, it'll really help you. And here's the truth. Wherever you are in life, it's your fault. And that sounds really rough at first. But then here's the good side. That means if you're responsible for where you are today, you can be responsible for changing where you are tomorrow. Does that make sense? So it's a good thing, right? So he was always responsible and he was completely trustworthy. You know, people that have good habits, you just trust them. It's really true, you know? When they put someone on TV to sell a product, does that person look like they have it together or not? Right? Because you just trust, you're like, well, it looks like they're in good shape, they take care of themselves, and 
They're well spoken. They prepared for this. So what are they selling? So all of a sudden you're open to it to where you may not be as open to it as someone wasn't as well put together. It really is a big deal. And so how you carry yourself and the habits you have really do make a difference. And so, in fact, one of the things I've, I've done for years, I used to do all the hiring around here. I don't do that anymore, but I used to. And at the, at the last interview, I would always be like, hey, I'll walk you back to your car. So they would think the interview's done, but they didn't realize my interview's not done because I want to walk into their car because I want to see their car. I don't care whether it's old or new or fancy or not. I don't care about that. How do they treat it? So what I'm really looking for is I'll look through the windows and I want to see if they have junk in their car everywhere or not. Because how you handle one thing is how you handle everything. Let me say that again. How you handle one thing is how you will handle everything. Now, many of you are sinking in your seats thinking, I will never come to church and live without my car clean again. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not going to go follow you to your car. Okay. But the point is, is if you look at your life, when it's going well, you're typically responsible in all areas, not just one. Most people, what I'm saying is, here's the good news about that. Instead of having to change your, I got to change my whole life. No, you don't. If you'll just pick out one key habit, it will spill over into other habits of your life. So that's what we're really going to unpack today. And so number two, people trust people with good habits. So number three, since I've already mentioned it, one key habit can change the atmosphere of your life. It really can. Just one key habit. So here's that in Daniel. All his co-workers suddenly didn't like him, except his buddies. Other than them, all the Babylonian co-workers were like, oh, no, we're going to let this guy. Now, at best, it was just jealousy. At worst, it was racism, because they're like, who's this Israelite? Who's this Jewish guy that's going to just waltz in here and tell us what to do and be our leader? Oh, I'm not putting up with that. And so, you know, again, you can clearly see the bias here. It's not right, but that's what he was up against. So guess what they did? They decided we can't catch him on anything he's doing wrong because he's not doing anything wrong, right? So, by the way, if people start to lie about you, or make stuff up, that's a really good sign. Because that means there isn't anything obvious you're doing that they can just point out. So that's good news if someone lies about you. Because they look at you and they're like, I can't pick anything out. Just nothing about you is off. So I'll make, make some stuff up, right? Someone who's an enemy. And so basically they said, let's go to the king and let's get the king to pass a law. Let's get him to build some statue of himself. And get the king to pass a law that everyone has to worship him in this statue. Because we know Daniel won't do that because he's super loyal to his God, right? And so that's what they did. They go to the king. They're like, hey, king, you're awesome. The king's like, thanks, really? You think, oh, thanks. I'm so awesome. You think you're so awesome. You should build a statue of yourself. Really? Okay, I think I'll do that. And they're like, and then you should pass a law. And anyone who doesn't worship the statue is, is going to be thrown in a lion's den. Isn't that a great? Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Okay, good. Sign here. Now, anytime someone shoves something in front of you that they've already prepared and says, sign here, don't sign here. That means the contract is 100% written in favor of them and not you, right? And so, but that's exactly what he did. This, all my business people in the audience right now, I hope I just helped you right there. Quit signing stuff. You have lawyers for a reason, okay? You can rework the contract. Anyway, that's a whole other com conversation. But he was like, okay, sure. He signs, then he immediately regrets it. You ever sign something that you regret? Well, how many payments were there again? <laughs> right? You know, you got into the contract and you're like, how do I get out of this now, right? So he signed the contract that said, anyone who doesn't you know, worship me and you know, bow down to my statue, throw in the lion's den. And he realizes, oh, no, Daniel, I know he loves his God. He would never do that. So even he knows, ah, man. But he can't back up. They're like, oh, can you sign this? I mean, are you God or not? God's still making mistakes. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm God. Yeah, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah, we're good. So now, Daniel, what are you going to do, man? Are you going to bow? Are you going to lose your life over this or... Or are you going to stick to your, to your faith? You know, I think it's interesting, too, by the way, that they're trying to pass laws 
that they know are going to contradict their faith. Why would they do that? Because they would disagree with their faith. Sounds like another country I know trying to pass some laws that they know some Christians are going to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And guys, I want to tell you something. The day is going to come when they're going to pass laws directly against our faith. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to come. We're going to have church. We're going to worship God. We're going to stay faithful. We're going to do exactly what we're doing right now. Just stay faithful. So I just want to encourage you, just stay faithful. And if that freaks any of you out, you may want to run for office. We could do some Christians running for office. That'd be great. Just stick to your faith, please, if you do it. So, okay, diving right in. So one key habit can really change the atmosphere. Look at Daniel chapter 6. Look what he does. So does he freak out? Oh, no, we've got to change the law. Does he go beg the king? He doesn't do any of that. He goes and does what he always does every day. He does the same thing he always does. Check it out. Daniel chapter 6. And by the way, those of you are like, I want to be a great hero and one day be able to stand in the face of a lion and, and be faithful to God. How do I do that? How do I have that great moment? It's actually not in the moment you have the moment. So the key verse to Daniel standing uh, his ground with the lion that wants to eat him in front of him and having that miracle happen wasn't there. The key moment was what he did privately. So here it is, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Make sense? One of the things I always like to say is if something really bad happened to your life, would you just do the same thing or not? If you just do the same thing and something really horrible happened, that means you're living your purpose. In the same way, if something really, really great happened in your life, would it change you or would you do the same thing? If you do the same thing, you're already living your purpose. Like someone said to me, like, Pastor Bill, you know, you won $10 million. I'd be like, what are you going to do? I'm going to go I'm gonna go to work. I'm going to preach and save money and, you know, invest and honor my family. And I'm going to do what I'm doing today. When you're living your purpose, good times and bad times don't change what you do. Does that make sense? So what does Daniel do? He's like, I'm going to go home. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to eat the good food, not the bad food. And I'm going to honor the Lord. That's what he did. And he just stayed faithful with that. And so God blessed that. So he had a keystone habit, a key habit, which is also called a keystone habit in the book, The Power of Habits by Robert Duhigg. But all the researchers come to the same conclusion. People that are super successful at anything, they aren't great at everything. They have one or two key habits that changes every area of their life. So my prayer for you today is by the time we're done, is that God would put something on your heart that would be a new key habit that would eventually unlock other good habits in your life. And so one key habit can change the atmosphere. Remember Daniel had a window that was open. You ever been in a room that was a little stuffy and you opened the window, did it cool it down, right? And so if you opened your window right now, it would definitely cool the room down. And so opening a window changes the atmosphere of your life. Here's what a keystone habit is. There's a big long definition here, but let me just tell you, a keystone habit is this. It's a habit if you start and you keep doing it over time, it'll change every area of your life. That's what the keystone habit is. One thing that kind of changes everything. You may say, there's not one thing I can do that change everything. Well, I know maybe it's not flossing or making your bed, but what about this? What if one key habit you did was you wake up two hours early every day the rest of your life? Some of you are like, oh, I could never do that. But yeah, you could just go to bed early. I can't go to bed early. I'm not tired yet. Get up early. You'll be tired. <laughs> See how that works? You're like, well, why would I do that? Well, so if you're wasting hours at night, well, okay, here's the thing. If you, have, if you have two or three extra hours to burn at night, how do you spend those? If you had two or three hours to burn in the morning, how would you spend those? It's amazing, but I've never met anyone who's like, I got up at 5 a.m. and just played Xbox. It doesn't happen. <laughs> that stuff happens at night. 
But during the day when you're wide awake, if you get up early, you're like, man, I got time to spend time with God, uh, to do a little exercise in, maybe get started on a project or two. It's amazing how productive you become with those early hours versus those late hours. There's one keystone habit. You don't have to do it. I'm just suggesting one keystone habit. Here are two keystone habits that have changed my life personally. You don't have to do these, but these have changed my life completely. And so two keystone habits uh, that have opened a window in my life. And there's actually two verses on this about open windows. The first Daniel already shows us in Daniel 6, verse 10. With this window open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day. Prayer honestly has changed my life too. Just like Daniel, I began to pray about 20 years ago. I did this thing called 100 hours of prayer where I just prayed 100 hours over the course of about two and a half months is how long it took me to do it. I would spend about an hour, hour and a half a day in prayer. It just became a habit. So even when I was done with 100 hours of prayer, I just kept going. And it's just really changed my life. And so I now, even to this day, I've done three or four rounds of 100 hours of, of prayer. Uh, a couple of years after the first, hour, first 100 hours, I did uh, two hours of prayer a day for a year. Um, I know you think there's just no way I could do that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised what you could get. Would you, oh, I couldn't sit still for that long. First of all, most of the time I wasn't sitting still. So the best way to knock out an hour of prayer is to walk and pray, by the way. And so and if you talk to anyone who's a big prayer warrior, they'll tell you that walking and praying is very powerful. My mother's a huge prayer warrior. She walks and prays all the time. Um, I had that same habit now. You want to knock an hour, 45 minutes of prayer out of the way, start praying the moment you wake up until you leave the house. Just pray the whole time under your breath while you're getting ready. And dear Jesus, I want to thank you, God, for you doing my life. <laughs> Praying the whole time. And so it's great. Prayer and good breath, both good things. So I want to encourage you to do that. Here's the second thing that's really massively changed my life, and that's tithing. It really has. I know you think, oh, it's easy for you to say you're a preacher. I was doing this way before I was a pastor. My parents weren't in the ministry. And so, but they taught me how to tithe. Tithing was not a hard uh, thing for me to do because my mom and dad did it. So what that tells me is any habit you get into as a parent, your kids will think it's easy to do that because they just see you do it all the time. Amen. So that's one of the reasons why I encourage you to, to, to cross that chasm of going from disobedient to obedient with, 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 your, with, with what you give to God. If you'll do that, it's hard for you because you maybe didn't have parents that raised you doing it, but your kids will think it's easy. And so it's really true. Look what it says in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the what? The window. Look at that window again. Of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. I have lived for, gosh, since I was 13, under the blessing of God. And it really has changed my life. Here's something I learned years ago. I read this book. My, my dad gave me this. I can't remember how I got it. I think I may have bought it myself, but... I got this book years ago by a guy named Ron Blue. He's now retired. Ron Blue and a guy named Larry Biquette are the original Dave Ramseys. You know, Dave Ramsey is Mr. He's all over the radio and, you know, he's on TV and all that. And so while I was at an event, Dave invited me to this event. It was like 30 pastors, and I just happened to be one of them. And it was really fun to kind of meet all these pastors and meet Dave Ramsey and sit and have dinner with him, that kind of thing. So I'm meeting him, and I, I was sat at this table, and Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel Cruz, I think it is. She's written some books too. She's sitting right beside me talking to her and her husband. And there's this older guy, and I'm like, man, he looks familiar. And I'm like, hi, I'm Bill Cornelius. He's, I'm Ron Blue. And I was like, oh, my. I just straight up fanboyed. I was like, you're Ron Blue. I've got your book. I mean, a straight up fanboy is hard you can get. And he was like, okay, okay. It was, I thought it was going to be like, security, I need someone to, you know, because I was loving it. But anyways, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing the principle you taught years ago, 10, 10, 80. And he was like, oh yeah, man, that works. And so I was talking about it. It was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you this. I really have done that. 10, 10, 80. Here's the principle. 10% to God, 
10% the savings, 80% is what you live on. And some of you right now are thinking, there is no way I can only live on 80% of what I make. But yet you can, because five years ago, that's what you earned. Five years ago, you earned roughly 80% of what you earn today. So you, you can do it, because you did do it. So, but, but my bills are going up, and inflation, all this stuff. I admit it's harder today to go straight to 10, 10, 80. But you know what you can do? You can do 10, 1, 1, what would that be? 10, 1, 70, uh, 89. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and then you could do 10, 2, you know, whatever the percentage is. The point is this, is that you can eventually get to 10, 10, 80. And every time your income goes up, so you start tithing, period, right? Because it's just obeying God. But every time your income goes up, you raise your level of living just a little bit. Incomes up, level of living. Incomes up, well, incomes up. And so eventually you have a spread enough to do 10, 10, 80. Guys, my wife and I have done, have given 10% to God, saved 10% of our income, and lived on 80% for over 25 years. You don't need to be wealthy to build wealth. You need to be disciplined. And so now we don't have what maybe we could have because three different times over the last 25 years, the Lord has led us to give our entire life savings to God. But we are still living under the window of blessing like crazy, and God has blessed us beyond my wildest dreams. I never knew a church would grow to this, or, you know, we'd have multiple campuses. It freaks me out. But that's because of two things. I've been faithful in prayer, and I've been faithful with finances to God. Personally, I would never just ask you to do something I'm not doing, and the Bible clearly teaches us to do this anyways. And so I know it sounds insane to you right now, but if you begin to implement this, in fact, the younger and the more broke you are, the easier it is to start. Because you don't have a lot of anyways. You're like, oh, I'm so broke. Yeah, you're already broke, so just start. <laughs> what, like, in fact, some people right now are like, I could never tie 10%. That's way too big of a number. There's no way I could tie 10%. I want to pray for you right now. God, I pray for the person right now who tied the tithe 10% is too much. I pray you'd lower their income so that the tithe is easier to do. Oh, you don't want me to pray that prayer for you? See, 10% seems large because you're doing well. So when someone says, I can't tie 10%, $10,000 year, I mean, I'm like, so you, you tell me it'd be really hard to live on 90 grand? Pretty good. I don't think that'd be really that hard. There are people living on way less than that today. So the truth is, it's just about discipline. But 10, 10, 80 has really changed my life personally. Again, that may not be uh, the keystone habit for you, but prayer and tithing really are keystone habits in my life. And what's really fun is to watch my kids doing the same things now. And so in prayer, as well as tithing to the Lord. So you really can trust the Lord with that. So number four, for habits to stick, two things, make it easy and make it obvious. So once you have this keystone habit, whatever it is for you, maybe it's getting up early, maybe it's reading the Bible, maybe your keystone habit is to go walking every day, to go to the gym every day, maybe your keystone habit is a marriage thing and you're like, hey, I want my marriage to be stronger. So maybe a keystone habit for you is that we're going to spend 20 minutes a day talking about our day, sitting down, uh, eating together, you know, uh, something like that. Just, I don't know what the keystone habit is for you. It's not my determination. The Lord will lead you, okay? But whatever it is, the way to make a sticker is two ways. Make it easy, make it obvious, okay? And how do you do that? Let me give you a statement. If you want to change what you do, change what you see. Do you know why I have not had a hard time with Cheetos this week? I don't have any in my house. I don't see them. Does that make sense? And so if you want something to be easy to do, put it in front of you. And so next week, we're going to talk about if you want something that's, that's easy to avoid, put it away from you. Or, or in the words of Jesus, lead us not into temptation. It's the best way to avoid it. So more on that next week. But let me just say this. 
The fastest way to create a new habit is to keep it in front of you all the times. Right now, maybe, maybe for you, you're like, man, I'm so hooked to my phone. I feel like all I'm doing is social media nonstop. We're going to give you one simple system to stop that, by the way. That'll change it forever. But let me just give you an example with the phone. Maybe you've got to break up with your phone because you're totally hooked to it, okay? And you haven't read a book in a long time. If you want to start the habit of reading again in your life, here's what I would do. When you go to school or go to work before you leave, take your favorite book or the book you've been wanting to read and put it on your pillow. Then take where you plug your phone in, which is probably right by your bedside. Take the plug out and put the plug in your bathroom. To where you keep your phone in the bathroom and then at night when you're bored and can't sleep, you have a book there. Make sense? So that way you get in the habit of reading rather than being hooked on social media. That's just one example of, of many, but that's putting it in front of you. So let me give you a quick habit hack. Can I do that? You guys enjoying this? Is this helping anybody today? All right. Let me give you, I want to give you a habit hack. Here it is. You can't do this with everything, but if you can do this with anything, do it. Here's a habit hack. Automate it. This has changed my life. There's a book years ago uh, written, oh, the, Tim Ferriss wrote it. It's called Four Hour Work Week. And my favorite part of the book is he talks about automating things. And uh, his favorite thing to automate, of course, is money. So he automates all his bills. He doesn't have to do a lot of filing because he, he put everything on email. Everything is auto-draft, you know, for whatever he needs to pay. It's a brilliant thing. So I would do three things. I would auto-tithe, just like we talked about a minute ago. Auto-bill pay and auto-savings. Auto-tithe is easy here at Church Unlimited. And if you're watching uh, from somewhere else and you go to another church, auto-tithe to your church. I think that's great. Uh, but let me just tell you, churches are not like gyms. You're not going to be like, oh, I need to stop doing that. Oh, sorry, it's going to be 90 days. You just got to keep paying for a while. No, we don't do that. The moment you, you turn it on, you can turn it off. You're in total control of it, okay? But I love to do this. And so every year, my wife and I, we sit down, we figure out what are we going to give this year? We, we have a 10%. That's the minimum threshold. And then we normally give above and beyond it. And we figure out what that number is going to be. And then we figure out, okay, take that number, divide it by how many paychecks we get. And then automatically, that just comes out. So the day... I'm paid is the same day I set it up automatically that it goes back out to the church. And so it automates it. So I don't ever have to think, oh, did I forget to tithe? It's, it's automated. I don't have to worry about it. Just like I don't have to forget my electric bill, it's automated, right? And we all automated that the moment our lights went out. Yes, praise God, right? So, yeah. No, but the truth is if you automate things, you won't forget those and you won't have a bunch of late fees. It'll increase your credit score, all that stuff, okay? So we automated three things financially. The first was the tithe. The second was our bills. And now I finally figured out I should automate my savings. So even if I, get, if I forget, every two weeks, a certain amount goes into investments for us. So I look up and go, oh, I just invested. Oh, look, I just came richer, just like that. It went out the door, and my net worth just went up. And here's the rule. When it goes out, I don't bring it back. That's a big rule. This is why I like to invest in something that's not near me and easily accessible. Otherwise, you just go, you know, oh, I'll open the savings account. No, too easy to click that money right back in. That's why I like to send it somewhere. It's not so easy. You should invest in something that takes at least five days to get it out because then you won't be able to just grab it real quick. And so I, I highly recommend that. So does this help anybody? Today? I, hope, I know this is real practical. Maybe you're wanting something more spiritual, but I hope this really is a helpful sermon for you. So, okay, so here is a new system that will help you finally keep that new habit, okay? Here's the new system. I will do blank before blank, okay? That's the system. Here, here's how it works. I will do a new habit before something rewarding. Let me give you an example. I will always read my Bible before I go to Instagram. Boom. There will be a bunch of Bible scholars in a week around here. Because we're already in the habit 
of going to social media, but if you make a new rule that says, I can't go to social media unless I've read the word, boy, that changes everything, doesn't it? And you say, well, oh, but I don't always have it with me. Download the Bible app. Version Bible app. My, my mentor, his, his church created that. It's a great Bible app. There's other ones too, but just, you know, there's devotional apps, but uh, Version actually has a ton of devotions on it. I encourage you to get that and just, you can even make it to where it pings every day at a certain time to remind you to read the word. And so I encourage you to do that. So maybe for you, uh, that's it for you. Maybe for you, it's I'm going to pray before I brush my teeth. Um, I'm going to do 10 push-ups before I watch TV. You may say, 10 push-ups, why that? Well, instead of saying, I'm going to work out before I watch TV, that seems big, but I'm going to do 10 push-ups? Well, yeah, I can do that. I mean, you just plop those out real quick. The reason why it's important to keep it small is keeping it small makes you start. Makes you start. But if it's, I'm going to work out, it's like, oh, that's an hour, and I've got to change this and that. But if you go grab the remote, and you're like, I'm about to watch TV. Oh, crap, got to do 10 push-ups first. You do the 10 push-ups, and you kind of get in the mood. You're like, maybe I should keep, keep this going. Let me go, go for a walk or a jog. Or, so it changes your, your mood. That make sense? Motion creates emotion. Did you hear that? It does. Motion creates emotion. So if you do that, it really is a game changer. And so whatever it is that you, it, that, that you need to start doing that's hard for you to do, put it in front of something you love to do. So I know a guy that he, his favorite TV show, he can't watch it unless he's on the treadmill. That's his rule. I don't watch TV unless I'm on a treadmill. It's brilliant. And the guy's in good shape. He's like, I want to watch TV, so I got to work out. So it's a really smart thing to do. So, and here's another one. Do the most important thing first each day and you'll never have an unproductive day. Just something simple. But if you, if you begin to do something right at the beginning of your day, it really does change everything. My prayer life is right at the beginning of my day. I start my day with that. And so I don't know what it would be for you again, but start it with your day. Um, and oh, here's another one that I was going to mention too on finances. If you're having a hard time saving money, just make a new rule that you can't go out to eat unless you buy one stock. Just open a stock account. It can be on your phone if you want. And okay, I got it. You know, and you say, well, oh, there's not stocks that cheap. Tesla's $1,000. You don't have to buy Tesla stock. You can buy something cheap. Or, or buy a percentage of the Tesla stock. I think some companies do that now. Just buy a sliver, a slice. For as little as five bucks, some places will do it. So you can say, okay, I can't go out to eat until I, I buy a $20 stock. I don't know what number would be good for you and your income level, but if you'll do that, and even when you go spend money yourself, you'll have already something, put something aside for the future. And it adds up really, really quick. So I encourage you to do that. Again, these are simple principles. A lot of these things I've been doing for 20 years, and they really do work. So um, do, it, do, it, do it at the beginning. Now, the last thing I'm going to leave you with this is this. Start small and start now. Start small and start now. Don't, don't try to conquer the world in one day. Just start now and start small. It says in Zechariah 4.10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I'm not as nearly interested as you telling me by such and such date I'll have accomplished this as I am by such and such date I will have started to work on this. So in other words, the real, the real deadline is not the completion. The deadline is when are you going to start? So that's why I'm telling you I want to challenge you with this. Start small, start today. You say, I can't start today. Yeah, you can. If you start small enough, you can. So it's just start Small. And then Psalms 118, 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day God gave you. Use this. Another translation says, Today is the day. That's why I titled my last book, Today is the Day, by the way. If you're trying to get the habit of reading, go get that. You know, put that book on your pillow. You can read it. So enough uh, self-aggrandizing self commercials here. But I will say this. One last phrase I want to give you. Let me tell you why it's so important to have these habits. It's a big deal. You ready? You may want to write this statement down, and I'll stop. 
I'm not successful when I reach my goals somewhere in the future. I'm successful when I've honored God today. Did you catch that? It, it's too far down the road. That, oh, one day I'll have this or one day I'll do that. Start today. And so, have you ever booked a vacation and it's coming up and you're super excited and you go online and you like go to the websites about it? Anybody ever done that? You, you book a, a Disney World vacation, then you find yourself going the course to where? WaltDisneyWorld.com. And you go over there, oh, we can ride that, and we can eat that, and we can go there, and we should do that. Or maybe you're, you're, you're going to, you know, Colorado, or, or maybe you're, you're really stretching them dollars, and you're going to Houston. I don't know. The point is, right, you're going somewhere. I don't care if it's, you know, three hours from here or, or 3,000 miles from here. The point is, is that when you book something, you get excited about it, but then you start, you, you enjoy it. I don't know if you're like me. I enjoy the vacation, but I think I also enjoy the research and the planning as much as I enjoy the actual trip. Anyone else like that? When you do a habit every day, you enjoy the benefits and those feelings of having accomplished it without even having it all done yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. You may not have a million dollars in the bank, but if at the end of this month you got a hundred more dollars, you're like, I'm on my way. One day at a time. And so I just want to encourage you, you may have not lost 30 pounds, but what if this week or, or the next three or four days you lose a pound? Great job. You're on your way. Now just keep it going. Don't go celebrate with tamales, but you're on your way. <laughs> I want to challenge you. You don't get there overnight. You get where you want to go one day, one habit at a time. We should bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, what is a keystone habit for you? Maybe God's put something on your heart to start doing. That could change everything in your life. If he has, would you lift your hand high right now? as a commitment to God to say, okay, Lord, I know what you're telling me to do. I'm willing to start this. Go ahead. Lift your hand high. Would you do that? Not enough hands going up here. Who has a keystone habit that it's time to start that could change everything for you? Maybe it's spiritual in nature. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's relational. Financial. It's time to start. Start small. Start now. Praise God. Thank you. You can put your hands down. You know, Jesus has a habit. He has a habit of saving people every single day. That's what he does. Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and for mine. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you and me to individually receive him. You can pray and receive Christ right now by praying this very simple prayer. We're going to say it out loud together to lead you in this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, all of our churches right now, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just, will you just lift your hand high right now? If you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our different churches right now. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands all the way in the back. Thank you. We see those hands. Thank you. If you're online, you can put in the text chat right now. Just say, my hand's raised. If you're at churchunlimited.com, just click hand raised right now. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God, young and old. Praise God. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, God, for the lives that have been changed. And thank you, God, that we can begin the habits that will set us in a new direction, that will change the entire atmosphere of our lives. So I pray, God, with your strength and your leadership, we will follow you into these new habits that will lead us to a new 
life. Thank you for that, God. And then we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.